Hello and welcome to the Access of Space Defense and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to episode 24, Multi-Domain War Operations and Space Technology. Today to have a deep dive into this subject we have with us Theodora Ogden. Hi Theodora, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for giving us your precious time. So uh, Theodora, before taking up uh, you know the questions or this topic I know today's topic is kind of much more multidisciplinary. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into the space sector? Like how did you ended up doing the things that you do now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm an analyst in the defense and security research team at Rand Europe. Um, so I've been there for just over three years um, and manage a varied portfolio for various clients. So predominantly defense related, but with an emphasis on strategic foresight, emerging technologies and um, space as an operational domain. Um, so in terms of my day to day, I conduct desk research, I interview expert stakeholders and design workshops to help provide strategic adv- advice to various parts of government, um, as well as um, so partner nations and, and um, other organizations. Um, so I spent about six months on secondment at Arizona State University last year. Um, as the Interplanetary Initiative Fellow. Um, so there I led a research project on equitable access to space and emerging spacefaring countries, uh, looking at the space economies and strategies of various case study nations to provide policy recommendations um, to the governments of developing countries seeking to grow their space sectors. Um, and prior to the, my, my work at RAND and ASU, I worked in the Office of the Legal Advisor at um, NATO HQ, Supreme Allied Command Transformation, um, where I worked on some of the issues around liability and responsibility for emerging technologies. Um, and prior to that, I worked at the Fundamental Rights Agency of the European Union in Vienna for a year, um, where I had a focus on international law. Um, so it's quite a major pivot in my career from um, international human rights law to now working on defence and security. Um, but I see these as two sides of the same coin um, in which the focus is on maintaining peace and stability and ensuring that nations can come together and cooperate in the space domain um, economically, scientifically, and um, with a view to improve the lives on Earth. Amazing. That's that's a quite a lot of interdisciplinary background. So now I'm assured and I'm, I feel safe that, you know, I'm not the only weird ones coming from such a background of, you know, science <laughs> and then journalism. So yeah, th- thankful that, you know, I find people like you uh, who have this kind of multidisciplinary background, because I believe space itself is such a multidisciplinary uh, domain that it requires people like you, me and several others, you know, who have come from different walks of life 
and still end up doing the things in the space industry so i hope uh, there are more such people you know that i keep on meeting in the industry and yeah, also absolutely. before yeah so before taking a deep dive into the topic uh, because we have a lot of audience from uh, primarily you know the student audiences there who are you know pursuing aerospace engineering space technology studies uh, and they are not much so you know familiar with the defense terms so as our topic is about the multi domain operations so can you tell us what is multi domain operations and why this term is gaining prominence in modern warfare yeah absolutely um so multi domain operations or it's often abbreviated to mdo um it's a military concept that focuses on integrating and synchronizing operations across multiple domains of warfare to achieve strategic objectives um, so traditionally, military operations have been conducted within specific domains such as lands, sea, air, um, and then now cyber and space, um, but with limited coordination between these domains. Um, but the emergence of new technologies and the changing nature of warfare have highlighted the need for a more holistic and interconnected approach. Um, so Ukraine, for example, has been facing a hybrid warfare approach from Russia, which involved the integration of conventional and unconventional tactics across multiple domains. Um, so MDO recognizes that modern conflicts are not confined to a single domain, but rather span across multiple, multiple interconnected domains. Um, and by leveraging capabilities across each of these domains and integrating them effectively, um, MDO aims to gain an advantage over adversaries and achieve mission success. Um, and as well as horizontal integration across domains, um, there's also a need for vertical in integration through the various levels of warfare. So at the tactical level, the operational level and the strategic level, um, which is incredibly important for successful MDO. Um, and then also there's the need to um, operate in the gray zone, so below the threshold of war. So space plays, plays a really crucial, crucial role in multi-domain operations by providing unique capabilities and assets that contribute to a comprehensive operational approach. So space-based capabilities are essential for multi-domain operations as leveraging them can enhance the effectiveness and the agility and the success of military operations. We can also think of multi-domain operations as consisting of three layers. Um, across which space helps enable key capabilities. So at first you'd have the sensing layer, so intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, and analysis to understand um, the adversary and the environment in which you're operating. Um, the second layer is the command and control layer, so the exercise of authority and direction by the commanders over forces. And then third, you have the effects layer, which includes kinetic, uh, kinetic so um, physical operations, non-kinetic capabilities such as cyber attacks or jamming and then also information operations so space can provide capabilities across all three of these layers interesting and as you mentioned like it's a very unique and the major component in the multi-domain war operations uh, the space technology and i have been always curious you know having uh, working in the european space sector for past almost seven years and I, I have never seen, you know, such a, on a large scale, I have never seen developments uh, on the multi-domain operations side. So can you tell us uh, how Europe is looking to utilize space technology and uh, its applications in multi-domain war operations? 
Yeah, absolutely. So European nations, both within and outside NATO, are concerned with ensuring collective European security. So um, the sentiment has definitely increased since the start of the ongoing war in Ukraine. Um, Europe has a strong interest in ensuring multi-domain integration and has strong collective space capabilities it can draw on. Um, so this includes communications, so the European Union Governmental Satellite Communications Programme and GovSatcom. Um, it aims to provide secure and cost-efficient communications capabilities to security and um, safety-critical missions um, operated by the EU and its member states. Um, and it's also used for crisis management, surveillance and key infrastructure such as Galileo. Um, Europe's also looking to enhance connectivity for commercial and public uses, but also in part to support multi-domain operations. So the European Data Relay Satellite System, EDRS, is an independent satellite system um, that reduces time delays in the transmission of large quantities of data. Um, and this is the example of the kind of initiative that Euro Europe is undertaking um, to secure more important data and get it to decision makers and commanders so that they can make timely decisions. Um, in terms of um, positioning and navigation and timing information, so Galileo um, is Europe's um, global navigation satellite system, um, and it, it has many positive implications for, for European services and users, as well as for, for more broadly. Um, and the EU is seeking resilience and protection of space capabilities um, with several initi initiatives underway to raise awareness and facilitate exchange of best practices among commercial and public institutions on resilience measures for space capabilities such as Galileo. Um, there are in fact calls underway to sort of expand the existing space threat response mechanism, which is used for the protection of Galileo um, across all space services in the EU. Um, so resilience of space-based systems is a really key aspect of ensuring European multi-domain integration. And then the final one um, I'd touch on is um, space domain awareness. Um, so the Space, space Surveillance and Tracking Programme, SST, um, aims to track and catalogue space debris. Um, it's there to monitor the space environment and enhance situational awareness in space um, to help ensure the safe operation of um, various space-based assets. Um, so this programme is also key to re resilience feeding into the wider efforts to enhance multi-domain integration across European partners. Interesting. I, I, I believe you mentioned about Galileo. And I think uh, on the military side, which uh, the program that actually brings together commercial and the private entities is called GoSatcom program. I mean, it, it has actually brought uh, commercial entities under the government's umbrella for military space initiatives. Uh, and so I I would like to know a little bit from, uh, you know, the GovSatcom program side, like how it is helping the European space companies. Uh, I'm asking this question because I believe uh, I myself as a space and defense expert working in this domain, I feel uh, what United States has developed, that is SBR and SSTR programs, under which they distribute the contracts for several uh, private space companies to develop uh, space, military space solutions uh, for the U.S. armed forces. I think that cannot be replicated very well because, of course, the United States has a very different and vast structure. Uh, the budgets are vast as well. Uh, but I, I believe GovSatcom 
is one such kind of unique initiative. It, it is not exactly like SBIR, uh, but we can say it is a kind of a program which brings together and uh, both the commercial and the private entities and the government sector uh, to partner together and develop solutions for the military space applications. So can you tell us a bit about the GAUSATCOM program and in general, like how it is helping the European private uh, space sector? Yes, absolutely. So GovSatcom aims to provide um, secure and cost-efficient communications capabilities um, for crisis management, surveillance, and um, to support key infrastructure such as Galileo. Um, and it's a really important cornerstone of space industry collaboration as well. So I think thinking more broadly, there is an ongoing need to encourage collaboration between the various um, actors within space ecosystems, such as that within Europe. So space industry, research institutions, and defense organizations to leverage the potential of space technology for multi-domain operations. So public-private partnerships and joint projects facilitate the development of innovative solutions, technologies, and application for defense and security purposes. And these programs are often bolstered through the sharing of good practices, um, which is really important. Um, and I think one good practice I point to to the US as well is the US Cy Satellite Cybersecurity Act, um, which was introduced in January 2022. So it encourages voluntary satellite cybersecurity recommendations to help operators address emerging threats. So the proposed act sees the creation of a list of best practices for the private sector, um, by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Um, so this act also requires that the US Government Accountability Office um, assesses federal government support in terms of cybersecurity for the commercial satellite industry. Um, so this kind of collaboration is incredibly important. Um, so as well as just sharing data, um, there's a need to kind of um, look at what, what companies should be doing both small medium and large enterprises um, and I think an aspect of that is also um, penetration testing um, I think fundamentally if we don't attack our own systems to find the ways in others will do it for us um, so red teaming systems will become increasingly important as they proliferate more widely um, so collaboration in this area is also important and becoming increasingly more important with the growing number of small and medium-sized enterprises, uh, many of which may not have the resources to do this themselves. Also, and just think, to add a little bit, oh, uh, sorry, you wanted to say something, yeah. Proceed, idea. Yeah. No, sure. Um, and, and then just to add another layer to that, so the international cooperation aspect, um, so the EU's an incredibly um, close-knit framework within which um, countries can share learning and good practice with each other um, and can foster good in international collaboration. Um, so this is, again, a really important um, aspect to bolster space security. So um, as well as within the EU, um, looking beyond and cooperating with partners further afield also remains important to sort of enhance cooperation and boost space industries. Yes, also just to add on the same lines a uh, little bit, and I mean in an extended way. So from your research and from your knowledge base, uh, do you think there are any other regions or nations trying to achieve or are in the process of achieving success in the multi-domain war operations? 
like if yes then also can you provide us an extended outlook on the same yeah absolutely so multi domain operations is generally sort of becoming the norm um and um so rand has done some research on um what other nations such as iran russia and china are doing in that area um and then also more generally um all countries on earth are starting to recognize the importance of having access to space um for example for situational awareness so to gather intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance data um so through imagery signals intelligence weather information um, to enhance the commander's understanding of the battle space across various domains. Um, so this is really critical for decision making, target identification, mission planning. Um, and this information is integrated with other sources to achieve information dominance, which can allow commanders to understand and shape the battle space um, to exploit enemy vulnerabilities and to gain the operational advantage. So that's that's a really key aspect. Um, the other one being obviously communications, so space-based communication systems can enable secure, reliable and real-time communication across um, dispersed forces operating across the various domains. So it can facilitate the exchange of critical information, command and control and coordination between units, um, improving operational effectiveness and responsiveness. Um, and positioning, navigation, and timing is, again, a really critical element um, that all nations will require access to. So this enables accurate targeting, the synchronization of operations, the coordination of forces across domains. So this capability is really key to guiding weapons and conducting precision, precision strikes. Um, and then I guess the final one would be um, missile warning and, and defense. So early warning capabilities for detecting and tracking ballistic missile launches to enable timely responses, um, including missile defense operations, force protection measures, and counter-strike operations. Um, so achieving effective multi-domain operations and incorporating space assets and technologies um, is really, really important to all militaries, um, not exclusively sort of the major ones. Um, but I guess there's also some challenges that would need to be considered. So um, particularly when you look at um, international collaboration via frameworks such as NATO or through the EU or, or whatever it is, um, interoperability is a significant challenge. So enabling space capabilities to be integrated um, among various systems and platforms across domains. So ensuring communication, data sharing, and compatibility between space-based assets and other military platforms um, can be a really complex challenge, um, particularly when there are lots of different countries involved. Um, and then space domain awareness is another key challenge. So maintaining situational awareness in space um, is really important, but this is becoming incredibly difficult with more um, a more congested and contested domain. Um, so ensuring accurate and timely space domain awareness while managing potential space debris, um, intentional interference or anti-satellite threats um, remains a significant challenge. And then I suppose the final challenge, just to sort of um, put a cap on this, would be the, the fact that space-based assets are vulnerable to threats. Um, so non-kinetic attacks such as jamming, spoofing, cyber attacks, and then the kinetic attacks such as the anti-satellite attacks that were tested by various nations in recent years. Um, so attackers might 
seek to target or disrupt space assets to undermine um, multi-domain operations. Um, so building resilient space systems and protecting assets from emerging threats is a constant challenge. Um, and in terms of technology, the main cyber threats tend to affect ground station infrastructure, open source so software, and commercial off-the-shelf off hardware, which is um, installed on board satellite systems. Um, and then there are additional risks that come from sort of irregular software patching or um, inadequate encryption and so on. Also, uh, I, I believe the drones and unmanned aerial vehicles in general, uh, these are also like playing an important part because uh, I, I, I think uh, Turkey's uh, Baikadar drones were having a SATCOM terminal on it when they supplied it to Ukraine. And it was a huge news. And I believe in Europe, uh, SES and TechEver, they just uh, conducted some successful tests, but it is still not, uh, you know, uh, it, it is not such a common phenomena yet. So from your perspective, how Europe should scale its capability in this segment, you know, like utilizing satellite communication capabilities for drone, because I believe that is one of the important component in uh, multi-domain war operations. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're likely to see a variety of emerging technologies become increasingly important, um, particularly for multi-domain operations. Um, so one of them, as you mentioned, is autonomy um, facilitated through artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning as well. Um, and there's there's lots of potential to enhance um, intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance capabilities, and particularly in being able to um, use autonomous vehicles um, you could thereby reduce the risk to human life in some instance, instances um, and then more broadly so artificial intelligence can also be integrated to um, enhance decision making and data analysis and automation in, in multi-domain operations um, so this is definitely an area that's becoming more important for investment um, so AI enabled systems will become increasingly important to kind of understand the future operating environment and to leverage yes. multi-domain operations. Yes, also uh, just, you know, a little bit uh, off the topic, I would say on the opposite side of the multi-domain uh, operations, because I have been uh, involved in the research of hybrid uh, threats and how satellites possibly, you know, might be a solution or how we can reduce the hybrid threats as well on satellites. So I think multi-domain, operations has its own advantages uh, but there might be a possibility of an increase in hybrid threats so do you think uh, on you know just from your in general research so do you think satellites will be crucial in countering hybrid threats in multi-domain operations um i mean i think in terms of countering them perhaps not but i I, I believe that resilience, so satellite resilience, will become incredibly important in the face of hybrid threats. So, um, and I think there are a couple of enabling technologies that can help facilitate that kind of resilience in, in light of um, multi-domain um, operations and hybrid threats. So, specifically, um, you know, there's there's various kind of vulnerabilities of space capabilities. So you have um, the launch segment, the space segment, the data links, so the connections between um, the asset and Earth and, and utilizing signals across various electro electromagnetic spectrum, um, the ground segment and, and the user segment. And I think 
securing all of these potential entry points against hybrid threats will become increasingly important, but also a challenge. Um, but there are some technologies that, that can enable us to do so more effectively. So, for example, quantum technologies such as quantum, quantum computing and quantum cryptography could improve encryption. Um, as well as information processing. Um, so it could enable cryptographic keys to be shared using um, quantum quantum states of light or, or photons. So any interception would then be exposed because it disturbs um, that state. So for example, in the UK, the quantum key distribution is already running over fiber networks. Um, so the UK quantum network, but it's currently quite limited with regard to the range and program costs. Um, but the quantum research CubeSat is a project that is currently taking steps towards delivering quantum key distribution from space. But there's still a need to reduce the vulnerability in transmitters or re receivers. Um, so generally, there's a need to sort of stay updated on advancement in quantum technologies as well. Um, and I guess another emerging technology I'll add to that, so besides AI and, and quantum would be blockchain, um, so the potential to secure data sharing and um, supply chain management and um, organizations could use blockchain to secure space related data and transactions and to ensure that there's integrity and traceability in those data transfers. Um, so I think those are just some of the areas in which we're likely to see enhanced resilience if we play our cards right and invest in those emerging technologies. Interesting. I think you mentioned about the QKD, quantum key distribution. And I believe uh, that is also one of the like upcoming uh, technologies which will be playing a key role, especially in the military domain. And I think in the satellite domain, it is already, I think, going around and uh, as as you mentioned throughout the uh, conversation that you know this is a very important aspect uh, for the future warfare multi domain war operations so i believe uh, more and more companies need to participate because i believe the govsatcom program and there are sbir sttr these programs are already in place from the government side uh, so do you believe uh, the government agencies and the military agencies can play a key role in educating this commercial private uh, companies about the advantages of multi-domain operations? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think in many cases, um, companies are very well placed to, you know, as integral parts of the space ecosystem, um, but at, at the same time being more agile and innovative than governments potentially. Um, they're able to um, to kind of develop novel capabilities and to identify and, and react to the demand for capabilities. Um, so I think there's definitely an overall need for more cross-industry um, collaboration as well as partnership with government. Um, so I think those are both sort of important elements. Um, and additionally, I think if we were to highlight some of the areas that would be important for companies um, to sort of establish a foothold in space applications for defense and security, um, you'd probably say um, space situational awareness, so um, focusing on enhancing SSA and developing effective response mechanisms to mitigate potential risks. So 
Um, in addition to that, regular cybersecurity audits, in incident response exercises, um, workforce training on very, very much space specific cybersecurity challenges, um, which will become increasingly important to maintain space security. Um, and I guess in terms of um, international cooperation, so companies will still um, need to prioritize international scientific collaboration and R&D collaboration. Um, and, and to that end, there's also a need to sort of help develop the norms and agreements to ensure the peaceful uses of space and prevent the weaponization of space. Um, so I think that's that's a really key element in order to ensure that the space domain remains um, relatively peaceful um, as, as far as, as possible. Um, so the UN open-ended working group and other initiatives help to define what is and what is not threatening behavior and it builds confidence and trust among nations and provides a foundation for um, legally binding instruments. And that's also, so I'd include companies as key actors and also holding the responsibility um, to exhibit good behaviors and, and resilience as well of their systems. Um, and I reckon another sort of key aspect of that is um, that in order to ensure that space remains collaborative and, and more equitable, um, there's a need to sort of collaborate and cross-pollinate ideas. And um, that also involves bringing in um, smaller actors who might come from non-typical places. Um, and as we move to sort of future generations, um, there's more of a need to sort of be more inclusive and, and to consider um, to consider aspects around um, diversity as well to really bring in um, all the perspectives possible um, to conceive of, of space and, and, and how we keep it secure. I guess another yes. areas for companies to think about is also, so not less space related is, is thinking about redundancy. So investing in non-space alternatives um, such as for PNT and to improve um, the ability to operate in an environment where access to space services is contested or denied. Um, so in multi-domain operations, we might see um, a limit to our capabilities and um, companies will also need to be able to operate in, um, in more sort of limiting environments and be able to have backups um, enabled to sort of in order to um, continue operations and, and sustain their supply chains. That's a unique perspective. I believe you mentioned really a good point that even the company should take up the responsibility uh, of, you know, cooperating and having the peaceful uh, and the sustainability attitude towards the space resources. So I hope uh, that perspective comes more and more into the play with the multi-domain operations as well. Uh, and I think we are at the end of the podcast at the moment. So uh, this is uh, this question is not related to multi-domain operations, but you know, in general, you as an expert in this industry, uh, what message you would like to give to the companies trying to establish or gain a strong foothold in space applications for defense and security? Yeah, so I suppose above the ones that I mentioned, um, I'd say you know. In Europe specifically, um, so we benefit from very diverse and dynamic populations. Um, so there's really a need to harness the talents of different backgrounds, cultures, and identities. Um, and this can also be done through 
more international collaboration, um, more initiatives to um, really bring in people from all different skill areas and really leverage diversity, um, particularly for the next generation of the space workforce. And I think, you know, just to pull it back to, to what you said at the outset, so the fact that we're multidisciplinary, I mean, I come from a non-technical -tech background, um, but this is also going to become in increasingly important. So bringing in people beyond just the scientific research community um, to think about, you know, our role within the wider universe um, in space. Um, it's a domain for all of humankind to cooperate and come together. So as well as seeing space as an enabler of um, multi-domain operations, I'd also see it as key to peace uh, more broadly. Um, and so, yeah, so I think seeing it as such and, and treating it as such will hopefully um, prevent uh, future space war, um, fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So yeah, thank you very much, uh, Theodora, for such wonderful insights uh, into the subject. I believe there, there were a lot of uh, uh, small things which popped up, especially like QKD and then the peaceful use of the resources, uh, space resources, sustainability aspect, uh, all these things, I think, we can definitely try to cover it in the future episodes. We'd be really happy to have you again uh, once there are some developments uh, in this uh, subject. So yeah, thank you very much again. Uh, we are really glad that you provided this such a very, I would say, highly insightful, uh, uh, so I, I, I mean, key insights into this subject, which is not much spoken about, I think, uh, in the domain. Even in the space industry, people don't speak much about the multi-domain war operations, even though like satellites are being used so heavily in this domain. So yeah, thank you very much. Many thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.